Upper Room family. This is Marcella Barcelona. So enjoyed being at home speaking on transformation through mercy. Um, may you enjoy it as well. And may we receive his mercy. Thank you for tuning in to the Upper Room Podcast. Oh, guys. It's such a joy and such a privilege. Um, is, uh, is any of the One Voice crew here? You guys, where are you? Oh, Bailey. The One Voice. <laughs> Who's here? I promise there's more probably out there somewhere. Um, but I, I'm just so honored um, to be here with you guys today. Um, I'm so honored to be part of this home. Are you honored that God has brought you here to Dallas, Texas, to be part of this incredible home. You know, I was a California girl. I lived in California. I mean, I was, I was born in El Salvador, but I lived in California, born and raised. Like, I felt like I was born and raised in California. But going back to California this last time, I was like, man, California doesn't feel like home anymore. I love California. For those watching, I love you. I love you. I believe that California is seeing some wild revival things and God's coming to California. But you know when you just feel like the transition, hi Ivy, the transition of like, man, God called me to Dallas and it feels like home. So when literally when I was, when we were coming back from Gen Z for Jesus and we, we like arrived in Dallas, Fort Worth, my heart was just like, thank you, Jesus, right? You're just so thankful for where he called you. Are we thankful this morning? Yeah? If we're not, we're going to get thankful. We will. Um, but I'm just, I'm just really honored. And, you know, um, Michael and Larissa right now are in Brazil and heading to Argentina. Wow. Isn't that exciting? Guys, Brian and I were in Argentina, and Argentina changed our lives. It, I mean, what's happening in South America is amazing. He is coming to South America, and it's so beautiful, and it's so intimate, and it's so rich, and they do family so well. It's absolutely beautiful. So I'm thankful that our senior pastors are headed there because I'm sure South America needs Michael and Larissa. So I'm thankful that they're going, they're going to be there. But I also want to thank specific people in the house. I want to thank the elders in the house. I, I'm so thankful for you guys. Uh, uh. I have been transformed these last couple months by the love that I've seen in the eldership in this house. It has marked me. Get around elders. There's a lot to receive from that. There's so much to eat from them. And so I just want to start out by that because I feel like it's the mercy of God that has placed eldership in this house. Because that's, that's the message today is his mercy 
transforms us. His presence transforms lives. But the foundational pieces to the gospel is mercy. I want you to know that the foundation to the gospel of peace is mercy. Why? And it's not, we have to be so careful because I, I believe right now we are in great trouble, right? The world, I mean, Israel itself is a sign of what's happening. There's rumors of wars. There's wars now. We are in, I believe, we've entered into end times. Read your Bible. Matthew 24. Jesus speaks of these times, rumors of wars, wars, trouble, right? There's great trouble coming, but why does trouble come? Trouble comes because there's a great calling on the church of God. There is a great calling to the people of Israel. They are the anointed ones that are being plucked out of the fire right now that will be saved. There is great trouble coming to the Western church, not because Satan has an upper hand, not because Satan is, you know, ruling, and he is, he is, but it's because God is coming and he's purifying the bride. He's, the bride is entering into this time of trouble so that she could know his mercy. Because when she actually receives the mercy of God, she turns her heart towards him and believes that she's called and the fear of the Lord comes upon her and she's transformed. And there are works and fruit of righteousness. If you think you've received mercy, but there is no righteousness in your heart and there is no fruit of righteousness, I would ask myself if you know mercy. And that's what we're in right now. Guys, we are in a moment of progressive Christianity. We are in a moment of, there are people that believe the Bible, that don't believe the Bible, that are deceived. It is weird, right? You're just like, what? That's, that's not what the Bible's saying. But then you can like, I feel like you can say it and say it and then they just, it's just like, whoosh. right? And it's like defense, defense, defense. And I'm like, God, how do, how do we come against that? That's been my question to the Lord. How, 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 do we, how do we come against that? And I feel like the Lord said, it's the Sermon on the Mount. The, the way that we're going to walk this season and the future seasons of our lives is by the foundations that Jesus laid in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He did it on purpose. He did it to save us. 
So can we open our Bibles? We're just gonna open our Bibles to Matthew 5. And I've, I've just been sitting on Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I think, you know, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord. Hi, Joel. I've been walking with the Lord for almost 16 years now. And I feel like he's had me on the Sermon on the Mount for close to like 10 years. And I remember the first time I heard the Sermon on the Mount, I was just, you know when you know, like there's just that pulling and you're weeping, you have, you have tears in your eyes and you're just like, why am I, why am I crying? Lou Engel says this, pay attention to your tears because your tears have a lot to do with where you're called. And so I would read the sermon and I, I would just weep and weep. And I also think it has to do with Jesus preaching the sermon. He's the teacher of the Sermon on the Mount. He's not only the teacher of the Sermon on the Mount, he's the savior of the Sermon on the Mount. Because he saved us through this sermon. Do you know who he saved us from? Not from Satan. He saved us from ourselves. Jesus wants to save you from you. Jesus wants to save you from you. He really, really likes you because he created you and he formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you. He made you in the secret. Can you imagine that? He made you in the secret. He knows you more than you know yourself. But he knows that what he's called you for is to be an imitator of the son. To Ephesians 5, he says, children, be imitators of God. We must be imitators of God. And we got to know that we are in carnal flesh, carnal mind, carnal heart, and everything that is carnal hates God. It's just, right? We need the spirit of God to love him. We need the Spirit of God to read the sermon and believe that we can walk it out. Otherwise, when we read the sermon, the sermon looks impossible. Just like you're calling us to this. This is crazy. And in the old, do you know this? In the old, on that mountain where Jesus is, that's where Moses got the law. And now here is Jesus in Matthew 5, and he has come to fulfill the law. He has come now to say, it's not about what you do. I want you to listen. It's not about your actions. It's not about what you produce. It's really about the motives of your heart. It's really about the attitudes you're carrying. It's really about, at the end of the day, who are you? And that is challenging, right? I think it's really challenging for me because it's something that the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing up. It's like he's that, you know, that thermometer that he's like, you have a fever right now. You're not in a good place. What fire are you walking into? 
And you're just like, oh, back to poverty of spirit. Okay, I'm dependent, I'm dependent, I'm dependent. So Jesus is saying here, hey, I want you to pay attention. This is the constitution of the kingdom. I want you to pay attention. This is the wineskin to revival. This is how revival will happen. Is when my bride is transformed by this sermon. And I want to start with the Beatitudes and I want to get to mercy. But there's an order to what he's saying. God does things on purpose. It's not coincidental. It's not... He's doing it on purpose. There's an order to what he's doing. And the first thing he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What is poverty of spirit? Dependence. Really simple. If you are dependent, yours is the kingdom. Dependent on who? On him. If you're letting him, back to Song of Solomon, right? Let him kiss you with the kisses of his word. If you're letting him come and kiss you with mercy and grace, you are becoming poor of spirit. You're receiving dependence. Does dependence feel good? No. Does weakness feel good? No. I was raised to be independent by a very strong Salvadorian woman. Who was like, I can't help you. Come on, baby, you gotta get strong. Gotta do it on your own. You're gonna be okay. So you know how I trained myself? I'm gonna be okay. I gotta be strong. Because my mom needs me to be strong. Was, she, was, was, her, was her heart wrong in it? Absolutely not. But in reality, is it really hard for us to love weakness? Yes. Can we engage a little bit? Or am I the only one that hates weakness? <laughs> right? You're just like, oh, I'm weak. You know, I love my five-year-old because she's just such a deep feeler. So she's just like, oh, I'm weak. I hate this. You know, she just won't move. And I'm like, it's okay, babe. Let's just embrace it. And she's just like, no. And I'm like, I know. It's horrible. Oh, but something happens when you lean in. Something happens when you just give up and you give yourself to him. That's what poverty of spirit looks like. There's a wrestle for you to be poor. And then you go into mourning. <laughs> oh, Jesus, right? You're just like, oh, God. <laughs> and you need him so that you would mourn. I, I have a hard time mourning. And it's kind of like sometimes I want to get Catholic in religion, like, mourn, mourn, <laughs> right? And nothing's happening. You're just like, no tears, and you're kind of scared, like, why am I not crying? I totally should be crying right now. 
And the Lord's like, you're cold. Oh. So you're saying I have a hard time being weak and now I'm cold. And he's like, yeah. Oh, I need you, God. It's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by the Spirit of God. You can't fake tenderness. You can't fake a tender heart. Only the Spirit of God has the power to tenderize your heart. Only the Spirit of God can give you true mourning. And what happens when you begin to mourn, right? Then it's like ugly. Then it's like, oh, I can't stop. And he's like, oh, let me come comfort you now. And then you walk away from being in fetal positions in the secret place and you're smiling. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, it's Jesus. You know? Come on, guys, can I get vulnerable? Is that okay? Morning. Oh, the other one. Meekness. Oh. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What is meekness? Meekness is Philippians 2. It's what Jesus did. He left the glory of God to become a human, a frail, weak human. He left being, tell this to my kids, being a super hero power, 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 power. And he was like, I'm gonna give it all up and I'm gonna be weak. When I can be calling legions of angels to come and get me out of the desert, I'm just gonna lean in and not eat. Meekness looks like something. It's the restraining of power. It's for you to have power within you that the Spirit of God gives you, but you restrain it. You go low. When there's warfare that's happening, you're not fighting in the same spirit. You're fighting in an opposite spirit. You're fighting in meekness. How do we fight? We go low. What happens when someone mistreats you? How do you respond? Right? We're just like, ooh. Right, I'm Salvadorian, I came from war. You just, you're kind of like, justice, justice, justice. And the Lord is saying, meekness, meekness, meekness. And he's saying, get on the floor, on your face. So that when the shooters come and they try to shoot, you're on the floor, on your face. You don't get shot. Meekness looks like something. It's humility. It's the restraining of power, and only then can you inherit something. It's called the earth. 
You can walk in power, but it's through meekness. And then when he, what does he say? Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Guys, hungering and thirsting is real. When you walk into this place, are you hungry? Or are you lacking hunger? Or are you thinking, I'm good. I know what's gonna happen. Oh wow, God's gonna come, yeah, he's so good. But I'm gonna leave the same. Same situation, same circumstance. And let me tell you, it'll probably stay the same. Your circumstance will probably not change in a moment. But you know what can change? Your hunger. You know what can change? Your thirst. You can come to the realization of, I have an appetite issue. I'm being satisfied by the wrong things. I'm being entertained by the wrong things. My hunger and my thirst is being satisfied by the world. My hunger and my thirst is being satisfied just by myself. You know what first, first Peter says, First Timothy, that in the end we will become lovers of who? Of ourselves. Lovers of what? Money. Right? So we start to realize, all of a sudden I'm just hungry for the things that make me feel good. Oh, that car. Oh, that house. Oh, that person. Are we hungry? Are we thirsting for righteousness? That's for you to answer. But God is saying, I want you to hunger. I want you to thirst for righteousness. Because when you do, I will be the only thing that satisfies you. And you want to be there. You want to be in the place where he's the only one that satisfies. Because only then are you able to receive from him. Is this making sense? And after that, he talks about mercy. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy triumphs what? Over judgment. Why is it that mercy motivates more effectively than judgment? Mercy motivates more effectively than judgment and than criticism because it actually transforms. It's not just that you receive forgiveness from your failures. It's that your perspective completely changes. Is this making sense? The perspective of your life will completely change when you have received mercy. It will transform you, just like Romans 12 says, it will renew your mind. It will renew your mind. The way you think will change. Because you're receiving something that was undeserving. Something changes when you receive something that is undeserving. It empowers you. 
You're getting this? It empowers you. So mercy is something that the Lord literally in this season of my life has been putting his finger on as a wife, as a mother, and as one who's called to disciple. Because he's saying, Marcella, you have to receive my mercy first. But in order for you to receive mercy, I need you to really begin to take inventory of who you are. Guys, are you hearing me? When God tells you to take inventory of who you are, it makes you tremble. Because you can't lie to him. You know what God is ridding the people of Israel and his children of right here in the sermon? Superficiality. Do you know what God is ridding, ridding the Western church of in this hour? Superficiality. You can't be superficial with him. He knows. And you gotta start, stop blaming everyone else for what's in you. And you know what really challenges that? When you have kids. Do you know why? Because they're running around in anger, saying things to each other, and you're just like, why do you do that? Why do you talk like that? Stop it! Why, why are you yelling like that? She hit me! And then the other one, no, I didn't. You're a liar! And I'm like, are you lying? And she's like, yeah, maybe I am. I'm like, oh no, like, what's happening? You know, and then I look at Brian, right? And then God's like, no, look at yourself. And I'm just like, oh no. Am I really angry, God, that angry? Am I really in outbursts of rage sometimes? And in his kindness, he's like, yeah, you are. Ugh, that's so hard to hear, right? Or is it only for me? When all of your pride is just broken, and you thought you were a lot farther than you really are. You thought you had arrived and he's saying, oh, you really haven't. He's saying, I'm really actually sparing you from being a Pharisee and from being self-righteous because those I oppose. Sparing you from being a Pharisee and a Sadducee and self-righteous, because I oppose them. So if you're mine, then I gotta tell you how it is. You gotta let me correct you, Marcella. And you're just like, oh, it doesn't feel good. So you're telling me I'm angry, yeah. So you're telling me I can be controlling sometimes. Yeah, 
you're telling me I want things my way. Yeah. Yeah. And you start making a list, right? You're just like, wow, okay, we're in it. Come on. Just tell me already. You really like being a mom. You mom everybody. Oh, God. No, right? I don't want that. <laughs> Am I speaking to some of you, right? You're just like, oh, God. And you start taking inventory of yourself. And you know what's amazing? Is that he wants it. It's an offering to him. He doesn't despise you. He doesn't reject you. He's saying, come, come with it. I want it. I want that. I want that anger. I, wa I want that control. I want that lie. I want that pornography. I want that immorality. I want the stubbornness that's idolatry. Give it to me. Give it to me. Because when you give it to me, oh, I have something great for you. I have mercy. And all of a sudden, you're in that place and you're receiving something that is absolutely undeserving. And you receive that mercy, and guess what happens? It washes you. And all of a sudden, you're like, forgive me. And then you're like, I forgive them. I forgive my seven-year-old, forgive my five-year-old, forgive my husband, I forgive, I forgive. That becomes your narrative, right? Mercy, mercy, mercy. The Father wants you to agree with his narrative. Not with what the world is telling you, not with what you're telling yourself, and not with what the accuser's telling you. He wants you to agree with his narrative. And his narrative is mercy. His narrative is mercy. What's happening right now in Israel? There's a war. And it's been there and it's been brewing. And you know what it is? Justice, justice, justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Come on. And you know what Jesus is saying? Agree with my, my narrative, it's mercy. It's mercy. It's forgiveness. And that's what he's saying to us this morning. Do you know why? Do you know what happens after five, Matthew 5, 7? He talks about Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure because they will see me. What happens when you receive mercy and you're actually washed? Your heart becomes vibrant. Your heart becomes pure. Purity is attached to mercy. I, I want you to hear this. Purity is attached to mercy. Because when you're washed through mercy, can you have a vibrant and tender heart towards others and towards him? I think of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
they voluntarily, not voluntarily, they were being called in there, but they went into the fire. What happened when they went into the fire? What happened to them? Can anybody tell me? They didn't get burned. Yes. I believe the greatest thing that happened wasn't that they didn't get burned. The greatest thing that happened to them was that they saw the fourth man. It was only through the fire that they were able to see a different facet of the beauty of God. They saw him. If that doesn't make you run into the fire, I don't know what else will. But instead of complaining about the fire, will you say, oh, let me see you. Let me see the fourth man in this fire. Because I know you're purifying me. I won't complain, but just let me see you. And all of a sudden your eyes are open and you can see him. And then you're just like, wow, I saw him. And everybody's like, man, I need to go in the fire more. The fires of God aren't bad. They're refining. And they're purifying. Does it kill you? Absolutely. Does he want you to get rid of you? Absolutely. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to see him. The testing and the trial and the tribulation produce joy. The testing and the trial and the tribulation produce faith. The testing and the trial and the tribulation produce tenderness. And Matthew 24 says, hey, in the end, be careful, be watchful. Why? Because you're, the love of many will grow what? Cold. Why? Because our hearts will not be tender anymore. A little tiny root of bitterness, little tiny, can cause your heart to be bitter and be cold towards God. So in his mercy, he's saying, I want to address that bitterness. Come on, let me have it. Let me have it. Do you know why? Because bitterness is poison to you. You're not poisoning the other person. You're poisoning yourself. And the enemy's lying to you and telling you, oh, but if you keep it, you know, justice. No, if you keep it, you're dying. Right? We want to be so watchful to our hearts. I want us to go to Zechariah 3. Can we go there? This is, <clears throat> I feel like I've been here these last couple months in Zechariah 3 and in the sermon. And I feel like there's a wild correlation always in the old and in the new. And Jesus shows himself in the old, like he does in the new. 
And I, I, want, I want you to see Jesus here on, in Zechariah 3. What's happening in Zechariah 3? Joshua, right? The high priest. What is Joshua? What was historically, what was he doing or supposed to be doing? He was building the temple with Zerubbabel. He's building. And guess what happens? Opposition comes. And it's really intense opposition to the point that they quit. And they stop building what God had called them to build. He stops and they start building their own homes. They start building their own stuff. And guess what he starts doing? Corruption. Corruption comes into the heart of the high priest Joshua. This is really happening. When he's supposed to be building, he's building for himself, and now he's in sin. And Zechariah 3, he says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord when the Bible says that? Jesus. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this a brand plucked from the fire? What fire? Is that the purifying, cleansing fire? No. That's the Satan hellish fire. I, I, I want you to hear this. Hell exists. Hell is real. The Bible speaks of hell. The children of God, us, we were never intended to be in that fire. He wants to pluck us out of that fire. That's what he's doing to Joshua. Satan is saying, Joshua, I know what you've done. I've seen it. He's such a sneaky liar, huh? He wants you to get all up in sin, and then when you're in it, he's like, ha ha, got you. You're coming with me. Come on. And then you're just, Joshua, what's, what's, what's Joshua doing? He's literally standing there. He's not fighting. Do you think he's tired? I, I thought of him, and I'm like, he's probably exhausted. He's probably standing like, I'm just so done. I'm just so done with this. Do you know when you're in sin, you're actually tormented? Do you know when you're in sin, you're opening doors to torment, to atmospheres of darkness, to demons? Do you know what happens? You start getting tormented. You can't sleep at night. You put your head to rest and it seems like there is no rest. Why? Because there will be no rest. God is not okay with our sin. I want you to hear this again. Mercy doesn't lead you to continue in your sin. Mercy leads you to repentance. Mercy leads you to righteousness. Mercy leads you to turning and to becoming a new creation. And that's where Joshua is, accused, tired. And this is what he's saying, hey, hey, He's been plucked from the fire. And then it says, he was clothed with filthy garments, 
When you are in sin, do you feel filthy? Absolutely. Yes. I feel like I was the worst of the worst, okay? I couldn't even come close to the church. I was like, if I go in there, I'm probably going to burn. Like, I just won't go in there. <laughs> just stay away, Marcella. Right? Because you just feel the filth of the sin. He was in those filthy garments. That's who he was. Can you see him? And then it says, the angel says, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Jesus. He's saying, hey, it's about me. I've paid a price. He's mine. I will take off his filth and I will clothe him in purity. That was the narrative and is the narrative of God for Joshua. That is the narrative of God for us. Mercy. And what is it doing? It's causing him to be pure. He's dressed now in purity. Listen to this. Then it says, and I said, who said? Who said? Who's speaking now? Zachariah. <laughs> He's, this, is, this is the beatitude of blessed, blessed are those who are merciful because they are going to receive mercy. Do you know what Zachariah's doing? He's getting in the narrative of God. He's saying, oh man, I'm seeing this happen before me. I see the invitation. You're clothing him. You're reinstating him. I don't want to cancel him. I want to reinstate him by your narrative. And you know what he says? And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. Zachariah gets into the narrative of God to reinstate a priest. Are you willing to come into the invitation of God as he's saying, come with me. I want you to help me reinstate a whole generation. Come with me. I want you to help me, those that are coming, that you might really be offended with who I'm about to put up here. But I've decided, and I'm clothing them in purity. Will you join me? Will you reinstate them? Will you agree with my narrative? Will you, let, will you tell me, put a clean turban on their heads? Guys, this is so real. There are promises for the LGBTQ community. There are promises for the transgendered community. There are promises for those that are in witchcraft and in the occult. There are promises of God. And I refuse to believe that they are too lost, too gone, even when it hurts me personally. 
Discipleship will make you bleed. Discipleship costs your life. It's not a feel-good position. It's a giving your life position. It's what Zechariah is doing. Oh, come on. I want to get in the, in the history books up there in heaven. You're writing my name, Zechariah said. Oh, God. Will I get in those books that said Marcella said, God? What books do you want to be written in? The book of life? Will we stop canceling a generation? Will we stop canceling these ministers of God that are going through struggles and we're sitting watching documentaries on their sin? And we're stoning them. What are we doing? That's not the Bible. The Bible reinstates. The Bible restores. The Bible is saying mercy. Oh, is it hard? Absolutely. When you see the sins of yourself and the sins of others, you want to run. But you know what God is saying? To whom much is given, much is required. Have I not forgiven you for much? How much will you love? How much will you love? Do you not remember where I took you out of? Do you not remember that strip club? Do you not remember that bar? Do you not remember the addictions that you had? Do you not remember who you were? Because I do. I do. And you know what, guys? When I come before him, I'm thinking, thank you. Thank you that I haven't gone back. Thank you that today you've kept me and I've not gone back. And if you're not there, then there might be some self-righteousness brewing in you. I'm telling you because it has pierced me in this season. And I, I don't want to be that. I want to look like him. I want to be an imitator of him. He's my reward. And that's what he keeps telling me. Marcella, if you remain, oh, the rewards, Marcella. I'm your reward. Look at me. Do you know the other day I was running in my shed? That's where our gym is, and I was running. I don't know if you do this. I've been learning how to do this. I'm not a, like a yeller or like I don't scream a lot. Learning how to do that. But I'm like in the shed, and all of a sudden I'm spending time with him. And all I'm saying is, help me. Help me. And I'm like screaming, help me. And then he's saying, do you trust me? And I'm like, yeah, I trust you. I trust you. And he says, Marcella, you're looking at so many other people. Just look at me. It's your gaze. Your gaze is on others when it should be on me. And all of a sudden, you're just like, 
I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> This is about you. Can I teach us how to pray this morning from the place of mercy? I'm going to do it anyway. This has been my prayer. And do you know what it's been? The Lord's Prayer. Do you know who's really good at teaching us how to pray? Jesus is. I feel like I got to tell you, Gen Z, you're not smarter than Jesus. You can't, you can't make up your own deal. The ancient paths are the paths. The ancient ways are the ways. And you want to embrace them. You want to embrace the laws of God. Because he's saying, delight in my commandments and obey them. And that's really when I know that you love me. So when you want to learn how to pray, pay attention to the way Jesus prays. And I've been coming to that daily. And you know what it is? The Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Our Father. What does Jesus say instantly? Don't look at anyone else when you pray. Our Father. Father, Father, Father. What does it say? Where is he? Heaven. And all of a sudden, you're on the earth. And all of a sudden, he shoots you up. And you're seated in heavenly places with the Father. And you're just like, my Father, you're in heaven. I'm with you. Hallowed be your name. Is it your name? No, it's his name. Is it what you do's name? No, it's his name. Hallowed be your name. What's the calling of us? Bring down the kingdom. Your kingdom come. Not my ministry, not what I do, not my kingdom established. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything is about him. When you pray and you begin to pray, everything is about him. You behold him. You look at him. You see him. And then what does he say? What, what does it cause? Hunger. Right? Because when you're looking at him, you're just like, man, I'm lacking. Man, I'm not satisfied. Oh, I'm hungry. And that's when you say, give me my daily bread. What is it? It's not just Sunday bread. It's not just Saturday bread. It's not just Wednesday bread. It's not just prayer room bread. It's daily bread. Daily bread. And you know what? Sometimes it feels like hourly bread. Give me a little more. I love what Peter said, the crumbs. Give me a crumb. Come on. I need it right now. Daily bread. What happens when he starts feeding you? You start realizing your carnal flesh. You start realizing, whoa, he's the bread of life. And there's still dead things inside of me. He's resurrecting some dead things when he feeds me. 
And you know what happens? What do you begin to say? Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Forgive me for my doubt. Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for my criticism. Forgive me for my judgment. Forgive me for having a God complex. Forgive me for my stubbornness. Forgive me for my control. If you're not receiving forgiveness daily, I'd ask myself if you're following him. Because when you look at him, you see your lack. You see it. And it's not condemning and it's not accusatory. It's called conviction. It's the spirit of God. It's a gift to draw you to him. So all of a sudden you're saying, forgive me, forgive me. And you know what happens? He says, I forgive you. I forgive you. And you know what happens? You say, forgive them. Forgive them that mistreat me. Forgive them. Forgive them. And you become like Stephen and Acts, who all of a sudden is being stoned. Christy, Lewis said this, and it was so good. We were having coffee, and I was like, man, that's good. She said, I was reading Acts. Did you notice that when Stephen was stoned, she said, well, of course, Jesus stands, right? Have you asked yourself, why was he standing? The glory of God comes upon Stephen, but what does Stephen do? Forgive them, for they not know what they do. What was Stephen saying? Mercy. He was agreeing with the narrative of heaven. And what did Jesus do? He stood. He said, oh, Stephen looks like me. And you know what happened? Paul was there. He was in the crowd. The mercy of Stephen, I believe, Christy said that was so good. The mercy of God had Stephen embrace martyrdom so that he could turn a Saul into a Paul. Do you want Jesus to stand for you? I do. How much are you willing to forgive? Guys, this is so challenging. This is challenging for me. I, you know, last night I got done preaching and I was like, man, God, why did you have me preach on that? Because the message is challenging for anyone. Right? Lord's prayer. He's saying forgive. Ask for forgiveness. Then forgive them. And then what does he say? Don't lead me in temptation, God. I don't want temptation. What's the temptation? Sleep. Your sorrow, your bitterness, your offense, if you're not careful, will lead you to sleep. Don't lead me into temptation. Keep me watchful. Keep me awake. Keep me awake. Keep me awake. Even if it's hard to stay awake, guys. You're like struggling. Ugh. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're just like, oh, the reality looks so ugly. And he's like, yeah, but I'm in the narrative. You're in the valley, but I'm there with you. 
Do not fear, I'm with you. Just don't fall asleep, Marcella. Stay awake. Stay awake. And then what does it say? Deliver us from what? Evil. Is this, is there any shame in deliverance? No. Does the enemy want you to feel ashamed of deliverance? Absolutely. Because he knows the power that there is when you're delivered. Mercy, real mercy, makes you confident in your identity. We don't serve a God, Jesus, who has insecurity. He's not insecure. He's seated on the mercy seat. He's not insecure. You are called to be confident Christians. To rid yourself of false humility. And actually really receive mercy. That leads to righteousness and the fear of the Lord. And you have no more fear of man. And you're walking in the fear of the Lord because of the confidence of mercy. And that delivers you from evil. Do you know Satan doesn't sleep? Do you know he's prowling all the time? Do you know, I think Bailey sent me this, he doesn't eat, he doesn't sleep, he's prowling. But do you know the one thing that he can't do? He can't be humble. He can't say, deliver me. Do you know what we can do daily? Is say, deliver us. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me from evil. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me from evil. Make it a song. The Lord doesn't want you to be troubled. John 14, do not be troubled. He wants you delivered and freed. Do you want it? I gotta end. Are we ready to embrace the narrative of mercy? Are we ready to be transformed through mercy? I know I am. I'm at the end of myself. Are you? Can we stand? Can the ministry team come up? Thank God for the ministry team. I just want to give us a moment to really, for you to really take inventory right now. Ask the Holy Spirit and say, search me, O oh God. How much do I need mercy right now? And are you willing to receive it? That's the question. Are you willing to receive mercy? Because if you are, then you're gonna quickly humble yourself. And he loves humility, he draws near to it. And so I just wanna give us a moment, and if that's you and you're saying, I want mercy. I want to receive it and I want to give it and I want to be transformed through it. Can you just raise your hand? Thank you, thank you. Same. 
we're just gonna pray. Father, we say right now, our Father, who art in heaven, God, hallowed be your name. It's your name. It's your name. Jesus, it's your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. Lord, we ask this morning, give us daily bread. Give us daily bread. And Lord, forgive us for our independence. Forgive us for our pride. And Lord, we say we forgive, we forgive. God, lead us out of temptation, God. Lead us out of sleep. Father, I just pray right now, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up and stand. It's time. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Deliver us, oh God, from evil. Come on, guys, join in. Deliver us, oh God, from evil. Deliver us. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. All of it belongs to you, Jesus. Set us up high, high, high on a rock. Where you are, deliver us, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, guys, just begin to thank him. I did this last night. If you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I've never received mercy. After listening, I've realized, even in my life, I can see how I've not received mercy. Will you come up? I feel like the Lord is gonna do something where you're gonna be transformed this morning. And your life is gonna shift because His mercy transforms us. So if that's you, will you come up? Thank you, thank you for being honest. Thank you. Will you just come up to the ministering team? If that's you, will you just come up? Worship team, can you guys just lead us?